The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, Bud Elliott here back again on Cover 3. This is my summer school series. I'm talking Arkansas and there's only one place to go for Arkansas. You see the QR code on the screen. That's my man Trey Biddy right there of Hog Sports, the foremost source on everything Arkansas. Trey, welcome back to the show, man. It's good to be back with you, bud. Thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it. You guys do an awesome job over there. I, I read Thanks. the board all the time. Hopefully, you guys will excuse my voice, uh, flu game stuff, but uh, we, we really can't reschedule these with Elite 11 coming up. So, Arkansas last year, uh, the record, I, I felt like they were a better team than the record mm-hmm. indicated. That, you know, they struggled with a lot of injuries. I know my friend Bill Connolly had them as a top 25 power-rated football team. They did finish seven and six, so like a little disappointing on the record, but at least some good signs of progress in, in on the field, even if it didn't always translate to wins. Yeah, you know, I think they had a lot of things that you know maybe internally that we saw them address in the off season, and you know, really a lot of it comes down to KJ Jefferson and his health. Last year, they didn't have a quality option at backup quarterback, and they lost KJ for two games. They lost both of those games also. He was also really hobbled and, and probably shouldn't have played in the Liberty game. Again, they lost coming down to the goal line, uh, should not have lost that game and probably would have played another option at quarterback if they felt better about it. So they lost the Liberty game. Uh, they lost Mississippi State. They had no chance of winning that game on the road in Starkville without K.J. Jefferson. And they lost the LSU game at home 13-10 to 10 because they couldn't muster any offense without Jefferson. You know, if they split those two games that they that he didn't play it in, and he you know was healthy for the Liberty game, or they had a quality backup option at quarterback, you know, maybe we're talking about Arkansas winning nine games and doing the same thing that they did before. But you know, I think that's something it's easy to kind of overlook that you know you didn't have your starting quarterback for two for two of those losses. So I think they did a good job in the offseason going out and getting Jacoby Criswell, who was backing up Drake May last year, backed up Sam Howell before that at North Carolina. Uh, as a quality guy to come in if something does happen to KJ Jefferson. I know that was a big focus for them in the offseason. No doubt about it. And, and obviously, Jefferson is a really good college football quarterback. They had a top 13 offense last year per Conley. I think ESPN had like 15th mm-hmm. or 16th. And so, like, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty nice offensive showing for a team that didn't have their starting quarterback for two games, as you mentioned, yeah. hobbled in the Liberty game. They do make an offensive coordinator change in the offseason. Kendall Bryles went to TCU. From what I understand, like 
obviously he did a good job, but it sounds like they were kind of ready to part ways there, uh, uh, unless I'm misreading things that go with Dan Enos. What, what changes will, will we see there with this offense? Yeah, I don't know if they were just necessarily ready to part ways. I think it was just, you know, Kendall was flirting a lot with other jobs. It, it looked like he was going to go to Mississippi State. And I think, you know, the perception of it, because they hired Dan Enos immediately, even before TCU announced Kendall Brown, <laughs> just because they had him ready, because I think they maybe thought he was going to Mississippi State originally. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of the same things. You know, you have K.J. Jefferson back, so you're going to do a lot of the things that he had success with, the RPO game and stuff. What I noticed in the spring, we were able to watch 13 of the 15 spring practices, uh, a lot of screen passes to the wide receivers, more under center play with K.J. Jefferson, a lot of two tight end sets, two back sets. We didn't see that a whole lot last season at all. And a lot more throws over the middle as well. They'll also be more methodical at times. They'll also hurry up, mix it up. They'll even huddle it sometimes. Uh, but that's going to be a bit of an adjustment here and there, you know, going under center some. I don't think you'll see it just a ton, but you'll see it a decent amount. But it's an adjustment, you know, to K.J., but also the running backs too. You know, the mesh points and all that stuff change. So uh, those are some of the big things. Obviously, with K.J. personnel-wise, you give KJ and you have a lot changing around him. You have Rocket Sanders back, who's a 1,400-yard rusher last season. But Jefferson, the last two years as a starter, has had an entirely different cast of wide receivers, and that'll be the case again this year, again, hitting the transfer portal to address some things there. Uh, but, you know, and, and some new pieces on the offensive line as well. Uh, you know, Pittman so far throughout his career at Arkansas has had returning players from the previous regime on the offensive line. And this is the first year we're going to really see some of his guys that he recruited. And that was one of the things I think that made Pittman intriguing also uh, was how he could, you know, not only coach up the offensive line, but also recruit. You know, he was known as a really big-time recruiter. Yeah. And so this is the first time we're really seeing that uh, put into action. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, to, to my eye, like being able to recruit quality offensive linemen on, a, on an annual basis because your head coach is an office, offensive lineman coach by trade is is potentially a big advantage. They do have to replace Dalton Wagner and Ricky Stromberg. Both were first team all SEC by PFF. I think they were also recognized by the conference. Who do you project to, to step up there? Yeah, I think they really like Patrick Kudis. They had a bit of a uh, you know an issue finding the right guy there in the spring, mixing things up a whole lot. Eventually, they settled on Kudis as a former four-star recruit, sophomore. Uh, and at the left tackle spot, it looks like Devon Manuel. And Devon Manuel is an interesting case study because this dude was not super highly recruited, even at 6'9", and a reported – 390 pounds when he arrived on campus and he has really transformed his body. He's about 310 pounds. If he looked remotely like he does now as a recruit, he would have been a national recruit, six nine three ten now. And so I look for him to, to step in there. You've got Brady Latham back who is going to be a four-year starter, has 36 starts under his belt. Bo Limmer moves from right guard where he's been a multi-year starter as well to center. And then they brought in Joshua Braun out of Florida, a guy that was committed to Sam Pittman at Georgia before Pittman took the Arkansas job. Braun went to Florida, started one year, redshirted last year, uh, was more of a guard. And they were, you know, were working him at tackle. I think they made it played a, a bit of a role in his decision to transfer, but it looks like he's going to fit in there at right guard. And they've got some quality younger guys too. I mean, a Marion Harris, four-star recruit, Andrew Chambly, four-star recruit, Takias Crawford, four-star recruit, even though he's a senior now, uh, but they've got some quality guys behind them. They're at 15 scholarship offensive linemen. I know Pittman would probably rather be at about 17, but all the guys, you know, up at the top, I feel like they've got about eight guys that, they feel really good about in terms of if they needed to put them in a game that they could. They also brought in Amari Wiggins in the offseason from junior college, who's uh, probably going to be the favorite to back up Bo Limmer at center. It's interesting you, you mentioned Braun there. I I was of the opinion just you know, as a guy that covered Florida State before I did the national thing. Like, I thought Florida's offensive line last year was really good, and people were like, oh, we didn't start for them all the time. Like, mm -hmm. I think Josh Braun can play. I mean, like, yeah. to me, it seems like, like he's a, a pretty good player, and obviously Cody Kennedy does, does a really good job. Yeah, with their offensive line, they're a guy that you know, gets a lot of national accolades, and I mean their numbers are always really good. So I, I think it's it's pretty deserved. Uh, on the outside, they do lose Trey Knox to South Carolina. They, they mm -hmm. lose Matt Landers uh, to, I believe, the draft. Right. So yeah, um, and Warren Thompson is, is gone, but they went heavily like low FBS FCS. Mm -hmm. D, is it D two A and M Commerce or are they FCS yeah. as well? No D one double A. And then Hillsdale College, where Isaac Tesla is from, is Division II. Uh, it's really interesting what they've done. And I like what they have done, actually, uh, just from what I saw in the spring. You know, Tesla was a guy that played at a you know small Christian school in the 
maybe like a wishbone or a dead D offense playing quarterback uh, up in Michigan and it was just really overlooked. I actually asked him, I was like, do you feel like you were just overlooked? He's like, no, not really. I mean, what were they really going to go on? Uh, but just absolutely destroyed people on a Division II level and really started to come on in the spring. He's 6'4", 215. Good looking player. Andrew Armstrong from Division Two, or excuse me, Division One AA, Texas AM Commerce, over a thousand yards last season, 6'4, 200. And then Tyrone Broden, who comes from Bowling Green, Group of Five program, uh, had over 500 yards each of the last two years, 6'7, 200 pound wide receiver. A guy that is a lot faster than I actually anticipated him being. I think that's an interesting group. They also have Isaiah Satania coming back, who was the top recruit in the class of 2022. Bryce Stevens, who did some good things for him. Sam Bakke, a former four-star recruit. Jaden Wilson. What I like about the wide receivers, I would say the top seven guys that were scholarship guys that were there in the spring, every single one of them is making a real push to start. And then losing Trey Knox, definitely a blow, but they went out and got Varkis Gums out of North Texas. North Texas, he was a redshirt freshman last year who broke all their tight end receiving records last year. So that was a really nice get. Maybe an even tra- – actually, you know, Knox is a senior, a super senior, so uh, Varkis Gums is just going to be a redshirt sophomore, so they'll have him some more time. They got Shamar Easter coming in, one of the top tight end prospects in the country. And Luke Haz came in uh, in the spring, who was also one of the top tight end prospects in the country. And he was really impressive. Like, not huge at six. I think 6'3", 238, uh, but a guy that, you know, can line up offline, tight end. Uh, he caught a lot of passes for him. I really do like the weapons around K.J. Jefferson. It's a lot of new, but he's used to new. I mean, you go back to his first year as a starter, it was Traylon Burks, Devion Warren, Tyson Morris. Last year, Jaden Hazelwood, Keetron Jackson, Matt Landers. So it's a whole new cast this year also at wide receiver, but it's something that K.J. Jefferson's been used to, uh, and his statistics really actually improved last year uh, over the year before, even with all those changes. And And really, to be honest, like, losing a guy like Traylon Burks. I mean, that was <laughs> that's a pretty big loss. And then to come back and play 11 games versus 13 and have almost the exact same statistics. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Sounds like like there, there's probably not much drop-off in this offense from year to year. At least you're not expecting so. Like maybe some room for, room for improvement even if, if uh, Jefferson's able to stay healthy. I mean, as long as the offensive line holds up, uh, then I think that they're going to be pretty solid on offense. They averaged 471 yards a game last year, which, you know, most of us, you know, you're going to take that if I tell you yep. that. Uh, so, uh, you know, the offense wasn't really the problem last season with Arkansas's issues. It was, aside from like goal line and stuff, and they made some changes in the offseason. They weren't happy with the strength and conditioning staff and, you know, basically moved on immediately after the Missouri game uh, because they were having so many issues at goal line and short yardage for an offensive line that was supposed to be one of the best in the country. Couldn't get a push and a 245-pound quarterback. Uh, so they made a, sh- a change with the, the strength coach, obviously. But, you know, offense, as far as moving the ball up the field, that that wasn't a big issue with this team. It, last year it was, it was defense that was the big problem. But I, I think the offense will continue to click. Defensively, they did they did take a decent step back last yeah. year. They were like fifties or sixties. Decent yeah. step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um I felt like one of their issues was, and we talked about you were very honest about this last year on summer school. If you go back and and, and do the do the listen, which I, I try to listen to all the summer schools from the prior year. Mm-hmm. Like you said, yeah, they they may not have that dude in the middle of the defense that they've had in prior seasons, you know, and that yeah. I think that that turned out. To be true, they didn't have like a crazy difference maker there on the defensive interior. They did have some some really good players, like Drew Sanders. Mm-hmm. I think was better for them than anybody could have actually expected. Like you were high on him, obviously, and yeah, you know, a highly read transfer recruit. But he went absolutely nuts. They, they lose him. 
at least Bumper Pool, who I feel like has played at Arkansas like yeah. for at least a decade. And and they lose Zach Williams and Isaiah Nichols, who you know played a decent number of snaps, but maybe weren't big time impact guys. What how are they going to replace those dudes? And, and what do you expect like a drop off? Can they be better than they were last year? Yeah. Well, Zach Williams is back, actually. He's a oh, super senior. So he's back. Uh Bud, they did a great job in the transfer portal. Uh, you know, you're starting with the defensive line. They have nine seniors on the defensive line. I don't know if that's ever happened in the 85 scholarship age. They're a solid three deep from what I saw in the spring and the guys that are coming in. I mean, you've got – you lost Isaiah Nichols, obviously, but you've got Eric Gregory coming back who's moving from uh, an odd front defensive end to the interior. He's been 6'4", 300-plus his whole career. I think he's been a little out of position. So he moves inside. You have Torian Carter back. You have Cameron Ballback, who's a really promising redshirt sophomore. You brought in Kiwi Rose, uh, who was uh, all-conference at Louisiana Tech. You brought in – uh, Anthony Tank Booker from Maryland, who was a, a four-star transfer, graded guy, 6'4", 320 pounds. You've got Marcus Miller back also. You go a solid six deep, and I'm talking like veteran players on the defensive interior. And then at defensive end, it's the same thing. You have Landon Jackson back, who was you know a former like top 100 recruit who transferred in the year before last, and uh, you know he's six seven, 270 pounds, looked really good in the spring. He was coming off an ACL, probably was about three quarter speed last year. So you have him. You have Trajan Jeffcoat, who is a former All SEC first team player at Missouri, six four, two eighty. You have Zach Williams back, as I mentioned. You have Jashad Stewart back. Uh, you have uh, John Morgan, who they brought in from from Pitt. Uh, another senior defensive lineman. You go a solid, and you have Nico Davier back, who's a really intriguing sophomore player. You go a solid three deep at defensive end, a solid three deep in the interior. That's a great start. And I'm talking like seniors, guys who've been through the wars. Uh, I really like this defensive line, and I like it better than I liked it last year also. Uh, obviously, Drew Morgan replacing him is tough at linebacker. Third-round NFL draft pick, had nine-and-a-half sacks last year. Uh, Bumper pool was really banged up a lot of last year, especially the second half of the season, had some hip issues. And Christopher Paul played an extensive amount. I think Christopher Paul, to me, is a guy that is going to be like a spokesperson of this program. Really well – does a great job in interviews. Uh, You can tell he's really driven – great parents raised the right way guy that was, was surrounded by sisters you know just a good good kid all the way around uh had four sacks last year eight tackles for loss uh, 60 plus tackles so they've got him back they brought in antonio greer uh, from south florida they brought in uh jaheem thomas who had like 80 tackles i think for last year for uh, yeah for for cincinnati so I think they've got, and, you know, they've got some young guys like Jordan Crook and Manny Powell guys. I think are really promising young players, but they don't have to just be thrown in the fire anymore because they've done so well in the transfer portal, bringing in Greer, bringing in Thomas, plus you know having uh, Pooh Paul back. Uh, I, I really like the interior what they have going on. You know, I, I think the front seven is is actually going to be pretty strong. Now, you're probably going to ask me about the secondary. Now they were 131 out of uh, out of 131 teams last year in pass defense. I, and I'm going to be kind of positive here about the secondary, I think, because they, I felt like every time I looked, Arkansas was missing yet another defensive back uh, yeah. due to injury last year. And they, they only took one transfer, right? So, like, that yeah. has to – I'm a big, big believer. Trey, no, no, they in, took more than one transfer. Oh, in, at the DB position? Oh, yeah. T- oh, yeah. They loaded up. They, well, they had so many guys leave. I mean, and that's what something we were told. You know, Sam Pittman told us before the transfer portal happened, you know, buckle up. And they had over 25 guys into the transfer portal. I would say only five of those guys would be like, eh, that, that kind of stinks. You know, the others, I mean, a lot of those are, are problems from the 2020 recruiting class where they had the quick turnaround 2021. They had some good players in 2021, but they had a lot it of was a COVID business. class. Yeah, the 2020 class, the quick turnaround class, the COVID, the 2021 class was where you couldn't go out and evaluate players. Right. So the transfer portal came along at the right time and the immediate eligibility came along at the right time for Arkansas. Anybody who's complaining about transfer portal is insane if they're an Arkansas (laughs) fan because it's been really good to them and they needed it because they'd be sunk with 2020, 2021 classes. Uh, But, you know, they had a ton of defensive backs. This is how. So they were just getting decimated by injuries in the secondary. They had Jalen Catalan, who was a preseason All-American, go down the first game. Miles Slusher only played six games. Malik Chavis was injured off and on all season. Uh, Latavius Brini, who was a transfer from Georgia, played injured all season. Uh, they had just a, just one guy after another. It was so bad. Like, like out of all the guys that transferred out, you know, none of them could take over a starting spot 
over Quincy McAdoo. Quincy McAdoo was a true freshman wide receiver. They moved it midseason to cornerback, and then he started the last four games at cornerback. Like so, like people talk about like being scared of all these guys leaving that are defensive backs. Where's the guys that could come in and start over a freshman wide receiver at cornerback? You know, like right. to me, they didn't lose a lot. Now Jalen Catalan, the guys played in one game out of the last twenty for Arkansas because of shoulder issues. Yeah really great player if he's healthy but you know he he was never healthy and miles slusher you know had a lot of injuries those are two guys i would say like yeah you'd like to have those guys back you know especially they can stay healthy or or, or but, the potential of those guys right the potential yeah. of those guys but what they went out and did they went out and got alfaheem walcott out of baylor who was baylor's second leading tackler from the safety position last year 6 215 he'll play nickel for arkansas they got lorando johnson a former four-star recruit who also started for baylor last year you probably know baylor was second team uh, second in the Big 12 last year in pass defense. Yeah. Uh, so they've got two starters from Baylor uh, coming in. They got Jaheim Thomas, or excuse me, uh, uh, Jaheim Singletary out of Georgia, former five star recruit in the class of 2022. They got uh, Keon, I'm spacing on his name, that uh, came from TCU, uh, played for TCU last year. Uh, got him. AJ Brathwaite from Western Kentucky also. So they they brought in a lot. Plus they got Dwight McLaughlin back, who I think is an All SEC caliber player. He's second. And an in the awesome SEC. interview, by the way. Yeah. I mean, like as you know, like Dwight is. Yeah. The, the, he likes Dwight's to liable to say something. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's hilarious, especially on the field. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you should see yeah. some of the stuff that goes on in practice. This dude loves to talk. Mm -hmm. uh, but they got him back. You know, Quincy McAdoo was injured in a car accident. We don't know what his status is, but it does not look good. Like he, he'll be available for this season. But they get little Darius Bishop back, who started in 2021. Started, I think, seven or eight games for him, uh, and was injured all last year. I think the secondary is going to be a lot better. But the main thing, in addition to the transfers that they've added is bringing in Marcus Woodson. You know, Marcus Woodson, when he was at Florida State, they had one of the worst pass defenses in the country the year before he came, and I think they were sixth nationally last year. So he really let it help lead a turnaround uh, there and hopefully can do that for Arkansas because they were, like I said, like I said, 131 in the country in passing yards surrendered last year. Just a disaster. And what's crazy is they, like, were one of the best sack teams in the country. They were getting the yeah. quarterback, but could not stop the pass. Uh, and a large part of that was so many injuries. Also got Hudson Clark back. I should mention him, a guy that can play any spot in the secondary. So um, I think they're going to be better, but brought in Marcus Woodson, Travis Williams, also the new defensive coordinator, who's going to coach linebackers. And Darren Wilson, I think, was a really nice upgrade for him. Um, they they list those guys as secondary coaches. They, they flip back and forth. But I think he was a, a really nice upgrade for him over the previous cornerbacks coach. Seems seems like a lot of reasons to be optimistic here. About I think so. I think they year. did some damage in the transfer portal. Yeah. I really do. And the thing you have to be cautious about, and if you watch my if you watch my last year one, you probably remember me saying this uh, was, you know, last year I looked at the team. And they brought in eight transfers. Every single one of them was a major contributor for Arkansas. And I looked across the board at the starting lineup. And I'm like, man, it's a really good looking team, but. You have to obviously understand that everybody else, Ole Miss, is doing that too. They're they're not sure. they're not just bringing in a freshman or redshirt freshman to fill in a spot here. They've got a veteran out of the transfer portal to fill in there. And I think what Arkansas and Sam Pittman learned from that is like all these dudes played a ton for us. So let's go out and get twice as many. And now let's build for depth. And now you see, like I said, a three deep on the defensive line. Really good. This is the first time I've been covering Arkansas, and I feel like twenty years where I've been like, man, they got nine scholarship linebackers. Really good shape. They've always seen thin at linebacker for some reason. Um, and addressed a lot of things in, in the secondary. Uh, I think that they have really used the transfer portal to not only, you know, put out a great starting group, but also build for depth. And that, bud, is to me been one of the big differences between Arkansas and some of the upper echelon teams in the SEC. When you get to the fourth quarter, you know, you've, you've got linebackers out there who can't breathe because you haven't subbed them out all game because the second team guy is not as good as, you know, your starter at 70% capacity uh, just because you haven't had the depth. And so I think that's something. And, and also, you know, throughout the, the course of the season, you know, when you get to the second half of the season, you get some guys banged up and stuff because it's not just about your second team. It's about your third team because you got to rely on a third team guy too. And so I think that's something where Arkansas is really going to be able to close the gap. And again, you know, thank goodness for the transfer portal for Arkansas, because I really think they would be like, we'd be talking about Sam Pittman's job right now if it weren't for the transfer sure. portal. I try, try, I, I think that's the lesson I'm seeing so far. Like I, I put out blue chip ratio the other day and it, it's, it's, there's not a lot of like crazy high high level players in the portal, but there's a lot of somewhere between above average to to you know good, very good players, and like that's yeah. what the best teams out there are doing. For every Drew Sanders, there's seven or eight guys that can help your football team either be like 
hey, maybe he's a, a low-end starter for you, but at least he's a starter or he's a very high-end backup. And if you have yeah. the resources to go out you know, and get that, that's that's a huge help. I, I look at this schedule and like immediately in the odd-numbered years, I don't like it for Arkansas because of the fact that, that the A&M game counts as one of their home games within yeah. the league. But you know, on the other like hand – Arkansas just uh... – creating a, a disadvantage for themselves, competitive disadvantage by their own scheduling. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, I think this schedule is very conducive to winning eight or maybe nine games because the two hardest games are the games that you would be an underdog at home or away, right? At mm-hmm. LSU, at Bama. If, if you played the, both those games at Arkansas, like Arkansas is still a dog there. You get very winnable home games. I mean, West Carolina is a dub. Kent State – I think is the worst FBS team I've ever rated in the preseason. Like they, they're like Nevada, Hawaii bad from mm-hmm. last year. BYU lost an awful lot, including the quarterback who I know was hurt last year. But yeah, let's go over the next four though, bud. Well, okay, now that is where tough. they are, right? Yeah, like at, you don't come home for a month. This yeah, is, this thirty-five is days. Yeah, yeah. At, at LSU, A and M on a neutral site, which should have won that game last year. I I thought uh, at mm-hmm. Ole Miss at Bama. Yeah. If they come out of that stretch with a winning record, I think they're feeling okay because then, like, there's a reasonable shot that they could run the table from there. Like, not you're a talking great about game, a, but, you talking about the last those four games with a winning record, or are you talking no, no, about no? Overall? Like, if if you get through the first seven right. games with a winning record, like if right. you're four and three at that point, right? Which means you didn't slip up to BYU. You either beat Ole Miss or A and M. If you go five and two, like you're, I think you're over the moon, honestly, but. The final stretch is very well. Yeah. Like Mississippi State. Those five at, off, yeah. Yeah, Mississippi State at Florida, Auburn, FIU, which got rocked in the portal again, and Missouri. Yep. I I think Arkansas is favored in seven with a reasonable chance, you know, to when I look at my projections, I have them finishing somewhere between five and seven and ten and two. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the range. Now ten and two, five and seven. That's are quite really, a range. <laughs> yeah, like they're really <laughs> out. But they, they play yeah. a lot of competitive games, you know. Like mm-hmm. I'm probably bumping it up more after this call, given you know the fact that like, they do have a lot more depth than I realized. Like, yeah, it's a weird like it's a schedule to be hard to win the West, but it's a it's a very manageable schedule as far as if you're you know if you can try to win eight or nine ball games like that's very doable with this. I think. Yeah, and you know the the only weakness I see with this team, I, I would have liked to have seen them go out and just get a true stud safety. Now they got Al Walcott, who's going to play nickel, but I feel like they needed one more safety. And they got some good players, but I, I think it makes sense for them to like move maybe Lorando Johnson to safety. He's a pretty good tackle from the cornerback position. All those positions are now basically interchangeable. But that's the only like area that I look at and say this is maybe a bit of a weakness for them where they're not just like super deep, super strong. Uh, but when you talk about that schedule, the first three games, I think they should win all three of those games. It's the next four where it gets tricky and you got to win one of those or obviously if you win two of those, that'd be great. That would be fantastic because the next, the last five, I think are all very winnable. Um, You never know what's going to happen throughout the course of the season, but I don't think nine wins is out of the question for this team. Um, You know, eight may be maybe what I settle on a little bit with the possibility to to win a bowl game, but I really like the makeup of the team. I like them having KJ Jefferson back a 1400 yard rusher, several other like every back is back. Like every back from last year is back. Plus Dominic Johnson's going to be healthy. Uh, I like this team a lot and I try to, you know, step back and say, what do I dislike about this team? But when I build out like three deep depth charts and stuff uh, and special teams, they've got, you know, they've got Cam Littleback, who's a fantastic kicker. Also, Um, when I look at this team, I I, I think they're pretty solid all throughout. Again, I'd like to see a little more safety, but I think they've done enough job a good enough job in the transfer portal bringing in cornerbacks where they can shift some things around and, and make a good quality starting five out there. But uh, it's that four game stretch where you, I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous really. And then what, after that you get Mississippi state at home. And I think you're, maybe there's a bye week after that. And then you're off to Florida, which by the way, they, they'll have played Florida four out of the last five times in Gainesville, which is absurd, but. That's the it's schedule that Arkansas easy here. place to play, right? Of course. Oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Arkansas Ar- never won there. <laughs> Arkansas does kind of get like like sneakily screwed uh, by, by the SEC with, with oh, some yeah. of the scheduling well, stuff. Well, the the ten game SEC schedule in twenty twenty, like Arkansas hadn't won an SEC game in like nineteen tries, and instead of just like hooking them up a little bit, they they go, well, we're going to give you Florida out of the, or excuse me, we're going to give you Georgia out of the gate, 
and we're going to ship you off to Florida. And that's when Florida was like top 10. You know? Right. <laughs> so like those are the two games that you get added. So yeah, they didn't do Arkansas any favors by any stretch. That is, that is brutal. Trey, I really appreciate the time today, man. And, and uh, putting them up with my voice here. Yeah. We'll uh, everybody go check out Hogsports. I think the walk and talk you do is awesome, dude. I, 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 I learned an that. awful lot and it's just, it's, it's raw and, and, and it's you know, honest, you know, just genuine football coverage from you guys over there. And we enjoy it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, bud. All right, man. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey guys, Bud Elliott back here again on Cover 3. This is my summer school series. If you're watching on YouTube, usually don't rock the hat. Today I got the hat because I got totally torched out there at Elite 11. We're recording this on uh, June 20th back at home and today I'm, I'm talking a little iowa state i'm gonna go to cycling alert i'm gonna bring on my buddy nick Oson. nick welcome back to the show man buddy it's great to be back man you're one of the, my favorite guys here and this is one of our best products so i'm i'm really excited to be back man i i just think like that this series it showcases the the real depth of our network and you guys do a tremendous job over there so we're we're, we're fortunate to have you uh last year iowa state took a bit of a step back in the record column lost uh, more games they're used to, more close games than they're used to, which you know, suggests maybe they're a little better than uh, than than they were, uh, you know, presented just by the record. I know Bill Connolly uh, still had them as a top fifty team despite the the four eight record. What what was it like to cover that team? Yeah, definitely, Bud. So it it kind of adds a little bit too because this was like my first full season on the beat, and I think that I kind of got this impression that you know Connolly and kind of how you let in. It's exactly right. You know, there were some tough losses and obviously that record, not what the team expected, not what they had hoped for, obviously not with the fans either, but there really was still a confidence even at the end of the season, being around the team, coach Campbell, you know, people in and outside of the program. This was not necessarily a four and eight football team, but I just feel like the youth that they had, the way that they lost some of those games, whether it's a late fumble, a non-call, specifically a couple field goal type games. I think there was kind of this overwhelming sense of let's put this behind us. You know, it was obviously not what we had hoped for, both for the team as well as the fans. But there's still a lot of good things to take away. It's not like this team was getting run out by three touchdowns every week. And a young team, again, because if you're honest and recognize, they lost a lot of those top names the season prior, whether it's Purdy, Brees Hall. Any Wazarike, Charlie Kohler, just to name a few. All right. I, I almost never start a show with kicker, but because you went there, and because I don't want to forget to ask it, their kicking situation last year was horrendous. I mean, Jake Gilbert or Jace Gilbert, excuse me, was 75% on anything 30 and in, and he was three of eight on stuff 40 plus. And uh Drake Nettles kicked a few and and made uh made not not quite as many <laughs> as he kicked. Do they have any kind of new kicker coming in this year? Yeah, so they got a, a PWO kicker uh, that was actually a transfer from Nebraska. I believe that was his second stop, but I certainly know he was at Nebraska before this, originally from Iowa. I spoke with him, got a good sense of when he decided to commit to the Cyclones, Chase Contreras. And, you know, I, I think that there is kind of an internal excitement. I've gotten to be around the special teams room just a little bit around camps and, and such recently with the prospect camps. I think whether it's Contreras, or just kind of Jace Gilbert, by the way, who was a true freshman at this point, having all those duties behind him, full offseason to focus on kicking. He was a four-sport kind of multi-star athlete in high school. I, I think you'd have to expect the kicking situation to be better. I know that people around the program are excited about Chase, but also Jace is still around. He's all smiles, and 
from basically everything I've gathered, this is a legitimate competition as we inch a little closer to fall camp, bud. So uh, last year, the offense just had a, a tremendous drop-off. I mean, they were the three years prior. And I mean, granted, the 2020 is a COVID year, so I, I don't know how much you want to count or not count that. I, In my own data, I, I kind of regress it out a little bit because I just don't know what's real. They were 27th, 16th, 32nd in Conley's SP+. Last year, they dropped to 110th, which is probably the biggest year-over-year drop-off. I'm trying to think who else really could have been similar. Maybe Colorado State was 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 a pretty good drop-off too, but uh, I mean, that's just an enormous drop-off. What what went wrong uh, with with this offense last year? Yeah, I think if we're being honest, I think there are a few things really to look at, but as I kind of mentioned, the team lost a lot of kind of players that they really relied upon uh, from one year to the next. That's Brock Purdy. So you're getting a new quarterback. Brees Hall, one of the best running backs in the country the last few years. Names like that. Obviously, Xavier Hutchinson was still here, but it was the first year as Hunter Decker's really kind of being the starter. I think that figuring out a rhythm took a little bit for him at times. Obviously, the turnover bug, both throughout good times and bad during the year, that was something that they couldn't necessarily get a hold of. And then just kind of some more intertwined things like offensive line play certainly struggled. There were massive injuries like Jirel Brock, obviously a name you're familiar with. And then I, I just felt like the play calling, I'm not one that usually points to that and I'm not going to here, but I think all those things mentioned along with maybe some of the plays just being a, a, a tad repetitive late in the season as things kind of we're heading in that downward trajectory for Iowa State. I think it's a multitude of things. And when you look at this season, I think a lot of those things are already getting shored up, if we're being quite honest. So Hunter Decker's last year um, you know, played basically the whole season, all, all, almost all the snaps, 19 to 14 touchdown interception ratio, um, pretty low success rate, just like not not great. I, I was kind of excited about a guy they're bringing in, in J.J. Cole, did J.J. Cole have a chance to just outright win this job? I and mean, I know he's a true freshman, but uh, did Deckers do enough to where, like, you know, to where it's his job if he stays healthy? Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. But I'll tell you, a lot of people are very, very excited about Cole. That's people that cover the team. Obviously, I was around him in recruiting, of course. That's the fans and, and people in and around the top of the program are very excited. I got the sense speaking, you know, on the record with, Coaches like Campbell and, and Shieldhouse right after the year. Shieldhouse, the new offensive coordinator, as well as just kind of checking in, you know, on things throughout this team. I think there was a sense of a legitimate competition. And from what I've gathered, Cole has come in and just blown people away with his work ethic. Obviously, his talent on the field. I've seen him at, you know, camps, like I mentioned, putting the time in with some of the younger kids. He's not the only name that I would mention there, but a great name to know, obviously, potentially this fall, but long-term as well. I really think he is a guy that, you know, we rated very well at 247. I think he's a legitimate high four-star talent and somebody that's got pro potential down the line. They also added, and this one kind of caught my eye, so Tanner Hughes out of uh, uh, is it Butte Community College, I, I think, yes, as, as a late ad, big-bodied kid, 6'5". 235. Have you had a chance to see him yet? Is it potentially just depth move, or do you think that's somebody they believe could come in and you know compete for the starting spot? Yeah, so it's interesting. Obviously, that got a lot of buzz here these last couple months. Kind of when we're recording, it was in this last month or so. I've seen him in person, actually, uh, kind of just working out around the camps, watched some of his film, and actually interviewed him. And what I'll say about him, great kid. I think it's a good addition. He's coming in ready to work. But there are a couple of things. He's more of a, you know, kind of sizable mobile type guy that I'm not sure they necessarily would have said that they had. I don't think Deckers was quite as mobile as people expected. And, and I wouldn't say Rocco Becht or J.J. Cole necessarily pride themselves on mobility fully. Additionally, even back in January or February, but I reported to our VIPs that there was a decent chance Iowa State was looking for some depth, whether that be scholarship or PWO, just because I keep hitting on injuries, they did not want a repeat of what happened with the running back room last year with legitimate three out of the top four guys injured at times. And they also did not want basically what they saw happen to Brock Purdy in the NFL 
just having to get to that emergency option. So I would be pretty surprised if, if Hughes was a guy that really started games for Iowa State, but I think that he's a legitimate D1 and potential P5 guy with some mobility. Last year you mentioned Jarrell Barak uh, got hurt. If healthy, he's certainly a, a quality running back. It, if not healthy, do they feel better about the depth this year? Who do they have behind him? Without question. I think the first name I'd go with is Cartavius Norton. Uh, he showed some flashes last season, really early before, unfortunately, getting injured. He, he was hurt a lot of the year, similar to Brock. But Cartavius Norton will be a second-year guy here from Georgia. I believe it was a three-star running back. They added somebody from the portal, A.J. Harris, Arlen Harris Jr., a Stanford transfer, four-star recruit. He kind of showed himself in the spring game. You know, he's got decent speed, but big, strong, tough running, you know, running back actually from the Midwest. So that's a good addition. And then Eli Sanders, an Arizona kid, I believe this will be his third season here, redshirt sophomore. They decided to redshirt him 2021 at the end because he really is that good of a player. I have not heard too many players, bud, that got more buzz coming out of spring ball than Eli Sanders. So I would say absolutely there's more of a comfort there, and we'll see if Brock can stay healthy and some of the depth of that RB room. So last year in the receiving core, uh, Hutchinson had more targets and more, if I'm at right, yeah, more targets and more catches than the next three receivers combined. Like if they were throwing the ball, it was going to X Man. I mean, Jalen Noel, twelve percent drop rate. Demetri Stanley, nine percent drop rate. Um, Sean Shaw, eight percent drop rate. I don't know if like the. Uh, the official scorer for Iowa State is just especially harsh on this, but those are all um, those are all pretty bad as far as the, the number of passes uh, dropped. And, and I, I mean, I think hell didn't Hutchinson have a drop against Texas that that, that could have beat them, if I recall, or maybe that was somebody else. It that was X. Yep. The the loss of, of of X there. Do you think these guys could take a step up? Because like if I'm if I'm betting on this offense to be better this year, I'm a little sketched by by the quality of the receiver play last year. Like they need these guys to step up in the worst way. Yeah. You know, I think it can be better for a couple of reasons, bud. you know, obviously Decker's locked into Hutchinson a lot and, and I don't necessarily blame him because Decker's did not have a lot of time at times. And 163 I, targets is just, <laughs> that's got to lead the country. Right? I, oh yeah. Like I, believe it did. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. That's NFL type numbers if we're if we're being honest. So yeah, they didn't play a bowl game. That's twelve. That's twelve games, one hundred sixty three. Like, yeah. So he he won't be there. Uh, Hutchinson won't to you know kind of be that clear cut top guy to kind of focus on uh, with the Cyclones. I also think that you know while they lose him, the depth in this room is really really good. But I mean, there are you know maybe a name or two I'll drop just in terms of freshmen later on, but even just looking at guys that are coming back or just new to the program from other programs, Jalen Knoll, I, I do not see, you know, a drop rate being kind of in that area this season. He's had a really good spring. Jaden Higgins, a wide out from Eastern Kentucky transfer, good size. Sounds like he's been, really been looking the part as a top one or two wide out. You get Dimitri Stanley back. I think it's going to help also, bud. The tight end room is going to be a little better this season with some major depth and some of these young talents coming in. The ball should be spread out a little more in this offense with Campbell and Shieldhouse. And I'd have to say overall, the, the receiving core will miss X, but I think the talent will be a little more spread out in 2023. It makes a lot of sense. Offensive line wise, uh, I thought they took a large step back last year, despite having like, I guess, decent health. M most of their guys played, you know, 800 plus four of their five guys played 800 plus snaps. Now they do lose downing. Who do you think on this line could step up this year and, and, and play better? Yeah, you know, I, I've really heard about a couple guys. I think, you know, two players that have been around for a while, uh, but one that's had incredible buzz coming out of spring, you know, Daryl Simmons. I think he's a guy that has really benefited from this, this new O-line coach and Ryan Clinton. So he's been around, but I, I've heard great things about him. Uh, Hufford has been around several years, but he's been at camp looking really the best shape that he's really seemingly been in couple of the younger players that will kind of work into those spots uh, from, you know, Downing, that'll be Peterson and Jim Boniface. They've kind of been running with some of the ones and twos, as well as a guy like Tyler Miller. He's, you know, six, seven or six, eight, going to have some opportunities potentially, 
you know, on the offensive line, again, running with the ones and twos. I think those are guys, some familiar names, some maybe a little newer to people outside of Iowa State. But with Clanton and just the overwhelming amount of good things I've heard about him in the program, outside the program, parents of players, I think the offensive line will be much better, bud. And like you mentioned, it would be tough for them to take another step back here with a lot of talent back. Defensively, they they also took um... – well, excuse me. They, they did not take a step back, but like they, at times in, in watching Iowa State games, it looked like they were just frustrated, you know, just because the offense just couldn't do anything, and, and they were just repeatedly, um, just constantly ha- having to bail them out. I mean, I, I know Conley had them sixth in the country last year. Like that's that's kind of crazy uh, how well they played defensive uh, ratings. They, they typically track defensive recruiting recruiting rankings pretty well, and like for Iowa State to exceed their their defensive recruiting grade that much is to me a real credit to that, to that staff. And they, I know they caught some teams at the right time and, and, and whatnot, but um, now on the defensive front, like you, you lose MJ Anderson and you lose McDonald. Uh, is there any way they, that they avoid a huge drop off here at, at, at edge rusher? Cause like, that's, that's, I know, I know they didn't use McDonald at edge all the time. I, I get it. Iowa state fans in the comment section, you guys are right. <laughs> but like, that's a ton of, of production to lose. I mean, he, he was all over the place. Yeah, I think if we're looking at that, honestly, it's going to be hard to replicate some of the just sheer pass rushing abilities and sacks, QB pressures that guys like McDonald and Anderson were able to bring. But I'll give you a couple names that have really excited some people, not necessarily all edge, but you know, edge, tackle, nose. Say Cole Peterson coming off the edge. He's somebody that you know, really got a little bit more uh, buzz and excitement at the end of the year last season. So he's someone that people should look out for. Tyler Onyedem, T.O., as, you know, many people referred, you know, some people feel like he was a top three or four player in the entire spring ball offense or defense. That's a name you've got to be able to follow. Jefferson Adam, a transfer edge from Hawking College, somebody that I know there's a lot of excitement about. Will you see him starting games right away? Maybe not, but he's that pass rushing type ability. And then Dom Orange, he's on the inside, but that's somebody that, you know, if you watched Iowa State, especially that second half of the season, you know, that's a guy that's got high NFL potential, potentially that one through three rounds after a couple more years. You know, he's he's still a big dude, but he's kind of, you know, toned up that body a little bit, gotten a little more cut. He is a legitimate game wrecker on the inside. Yeah, I was curious about him because, like, like Orange and uh, there's a kid named Jaheim Otis at Alabama, um, who I took in our our cover three lineman draft, and I, I mean, just guys that have real ability if they got got the weight cut off them, right? And, and Otis had lost like 90 pounds since getting on campus at Bama, and looks looks pretty freaky. That, that's that's encouraging that Orange is, you know, continuing to get in better shape because I I think they really, you know, really might need him this year. Linebacker, they only lose Vance. I mean, I know he was all over the field and played you know, almost 700 snaps, but they, they should be pretty good. Is Zach Lovett from Missouri, is, is he going to factor into this this rotation? So from what I've gathered, he, he impressed very early on, and I think he'll have the opportunities potentially, but I actually wanted to give you a couple names of some of the younger yeah. players, but I, I would say you know, Will McLaughlin was a big-time recruit. Uh, he's somebody that had a really strong spring. He got some time freshman year as a true freshman. So that's somebody, but for really the diehard fans that kind of read about these things for the VIPs, Jack Sadowski, a true freshman linebacker from Illinois. So he's class of 2023. He was running with the twos in the spring game, bud. And he, I I don't have the numbers on me, but I believe he registered seven uh, tackles combined, four and a half solo in that game. Somebody from the top down. This staff is really excited about, and, and I'm not surprised. One of the first commits I really covered uh, in this job, you know, similar to Cole, goes about everything the right way, comes prepared. There's a maturity about him, and he just has this, this vibe around him that he's going to put all the work in. I think he impressed physically, maybe more than some people expected. So whether it's in the ones, twos, wherever it may be, that's going to be a name to follow along with, of course, Gary Vaughn. I love their corner tandem of, of, of purchase in Tampa. Like that, that's that's pretty solid. It, nobody's taking those guys' jobs, I assume. Uh, I am curious about safety. They, they they have you know they lost Kyle, they lost Johnson. Uh, I mean, Reader was more of kind of a, a you know, nickel type guy. What are they looking like sort sort of at uh, you know at, at nickel and at safety? 
Yeah, so corner, like you mentioned, not too many better tandems in the entire country. I don't see those guys losing their jobs. Uh, They're future pros, certainly Tampa next season. As per safety, so Bo Freeler will be back. He's kind of that you know, hybrid, can play up in the box, middle safety type, like a star position at Iowa State. Uh, Jeremiah Cooper will be back. He got a lot of time. You know, he was really good last year, but he also got some time when there were some injuries. A name I certainly wanted to mention, I know you and I have talked about before we've done this show, and we really hope that he can stay healthy for Iowa State, and that's Malik Verdon. Yeah. He, he showed some flashes when he was healthy last year. I know that he's someone the program feels very highly about, but he just – you know, he was shut down a little bit uh, later into the season, didn't get to be on the field as much as people had hoped, but he's got size, versatility. He just kind of has that like natural ranginess to him in terms of coverage as well as playing up in the box. He's somebody that Iowa State fans and really the country should look out for as we head into this season. I Obviously, like I, I don't think it's likely this team makes the, the, the Big 12 title game, but I mean, our, our fans, how do I say this? want to be like balanced and not condescending do fans realize like what they have in matt campbell like like even if i mean i know they went four and eight nobody's ever going to be happy with with four and eight but making bowl games more often than not iowa state has been really hard historically i mean like campbell owns almost half of the best iowa state seasons in history and they've been playing since like before the light bulb so uh (laughs) you know i I, don't, I guess that's my question. Sorry, I, I, I was trying to think of one off the top of my head that, that I liked here. Uh, do they understand what they have? Like, he signed the extension, right? So he's probably not not going anywhere. Yeah, I, I think that fans do. I, I think that, you know, throughout the course of a season, as you know, being on 247 message boards and things like that, you know, fans get frustrated. And, and that's a spot, I guess, where people can, you know, reasonably be frustrated and things like that. But overwhelmingly absolutely whether we're talking about this season future season i see it all the time bud with recruiting you know some somebody might not be the most highly rated fans get on him and then more people with a little more reason maybe say you know let's trust campbell and the staff look at what they've done let's just see these guys a little more healthy you know with more experience with some of these younger players i would say that there's an occasional frustration point just within a tough season but overall Iowa State fans love Matt Campbell, and and I certainly think he knows, you know, that love is very much reciprocated here. Nick, really appreciate the time. It has been fun. Everybody needs to check out Cyclone Alert for all the updates that I know will come on Iowa State this summer and this season, man. Appreciate it. Flew by. Thank you so much, bud, for having me.